everybody. Welcome to the Tech Raptor Podcast. I'm Robert Scrapanito, your features editor. And Rotten Editor-in-Chief. Rutledge Doggett, site founder. Andrew Stretch, financials editor. Financial editor, thank you. You're finally whipping oh, our finances that's, into shape. That's what Rut does when nobody else notices and steals all the money <laughs> from the site. <laughs> that's when he's the chef editor and he cooks all uh, the books. All the, but we have mm. two, I've seen the other sets of books. If anybody needs them, I'll testify. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I literally just saw a tweet too where somebody's like, What are you playing this weekend? And a bunch of people just replied with copies of TurboTax. Yeah. So, <laughs> that time of year. Is that the sequel to Microsoft Excel? The sequel. I don't even know. Yeah. Both uh, of them make you cry at the end of the day. So that's fair. Just like Elex. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about a lot of financial news and financial reports because that's we're just getting into that season. It's the end of the fiscal year. Uh, we're also going to talk about Superfuse, Frosthaven, and more about Forspoken and Hi-Fi Rush. But let's just dive into lots of big money moving around. First, Activision Blizzard. They've been ordered to pay $35 million to settle some charges related to workplace misconduct. The SEC has accused them of... Uh, essentially hindering whistleblowers. And so this $35 million payment is to settle that. This is not a payment related to the sexual assault or sexual you know, harassment um, allegations that have been going around for a couple of years now. Uh, and from the document itself, between the years 2018 and 2021, Activision Blizzard was, quote, aware that its ability to attract, retain, and motivate employees was a particularly important risk in its business, but it lacked controls and procedures among its separate business units to collect and analyze employee complaints of workplace misconduct, meaning that the higher-ups would not know any semblance of the severity or the number of complaints that they were getting, which in turn helps hinder whistleblowers what's that activision blizzard something scummy between the years of 2018 and 2021 i do not believe you yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, man. i mean they've always been an upstanding good company it's it, oh, it's just it's wild to hear like it's so easy to i would like to think that it would be so easy to not run a scummy company to have people's opinions and voices heard when stuff that you would want to whistleblow about shows up like that's the kind of thing that you should be wanting to hear as management so that you can nip that shit in the bud ASAP so that you don't I don't know get into a massive lawsuit about mm -hmm. how much has been going yeah. on wrong in this company I think a lot of companies kind of write out that like if if it gets swept under the rug most of the time and usually that works, fucking right. ride or die. Like <laughs> that's it. <laughs> they seem to go that that way the whole route because yeah, it but, does work for a lot of stuff. Right, but this is a this is a case where it's not right because I think yeah, now it's not yeah right because with, with companies like this, I mean, ideally you want the whistleblowing to happen within the company. Like in mm -hmm. you know in a weird way you want it, you want that shit to be known within the company so that way leadership can take action to yeah. fix it change culture to do something to alleviate the problem so it doesn't become a public whistleblower thing like this right yeah. or now they're facing you know so many allegations from the SEC aside from this whistleblower protection rule yeah yeah just feels like an unfortunate mishandling of leadership in so many different ways. I think it comes down to process too. I think what we continue to see is that they have no solid process structure for really anything outside of maybe development. Like feedback just goes nowhere. Reports just go nowhere. Um, and for a company that is publicly traded and of that size, that is extremely surprising. Mm -hmm. um, because that kind of feedback is essentially what Cole's whistleblowing to begin with like you're not going to need to go directly to the sec to report things if you feel like you're actually being listened to or the company right. takes concerns well, seriously i think part of it comes back to like for the longest time blizzard in particular maybe not actually but blizzard in particular had that reputation of like you you better you better just be grateful that you fucking work here because we're so mm -hmm. amazing like we're one of the hottest mm -hmm. companies in gaming everybody loves us no we can't do anything wrong until you know since 2010 they've been fucking up left and right but 
for the longest time they had a reputation where they were like the one of the hot spots like you'd be like oh shit like i remember i was in college and i knew a guy who was in he was doing i can't remember computer engineering or computer science one of the two mm-hmm. and he was telling me he's like oh yeah i already got a job lined up when i'm out of here to work at blizzard i was like oh fuck nice like that's when you're like holy shit like damn that's crazy there was a there was a guy that i met during the pandemic that was really excitedly telling me that he had just been uh been hired as a as a new developer at vicarious visions (laughs) (laughs) i held my tongue at the time because it's like you know i'm not gonna rain on this guy's parade like that's really cool and it was like two months later. <laughs> it was the news Poor that they were getting absorbed. It's like fuck. I feel so bad. Yeah, you were doing cool shit before they were. Yep. Mm-hmm. And now you're an ancillary cod. Right. And I think that's uh, just something that we've kind of been able to glean from just both Activision and Blizzard. Their their company cultures are so toxic in different ways like at least my understanding of blizzard it's very frat boy plus that you should be grateful right that kind of just leads to an awful work environment Mm -hmm. but then activision there's this uh feeling of like it's just about the numbers it's just about delivering because when you gear all like two thousand of your studios to call of duty and like that's mostly it you know you're definitely looking for results regardless of whatever sacrifices need to be made along the way yeah. Mm-hmm. Microsoft will fix it all. Don't worry. Everything will go great. Yeah. Well, if if Microsoft uh, ends up owning them, because I think that even that uh, oh, purchase. Well, I mean, it's getting under some fire from both the European Commission yeah. and SEC. Eh. It's it's just it's just Sony's doing the what the the worm tongue. What was the name of the name of the dude that was poisoning the king yeah, in uh, worm tongue? Yeah. It's just (laughs) all I'm getting from Sony and all of this that I hear is just Mm -hmm. imagining them, you know, whispering poison (laughs) into the. Who's going to be Gandalf that comes in and unpoisons them? When does that happen? What if it was someone completely out of nowhere, like Reggie? (laughs) (laughs) He's the return of the king. (laughs) Yeah, like like Phil Spencer's an easy pull. You know, Larry Herb, Major Nelson, sure. What if Reggie came into the rescue? <laughs> right, somehow Phil convinces Reggie to come run Activision Blizzard. Mm-hmm. Just take over everything. That'd be yeah. It's funny to say the Microsoft stuff too. Like Microsoft's going to come in and, and fix it with what we're seeing with Bungie. Or not Bungie, 343 at the moment. Yeah. yeah. The, other the, the other Bungie. Yeah, where we're seeing layoffs. We're seeing reports of poor management from the top. Um, that ultimately impacted the development of Halo Infinite um, and just a lot of uncertainty around that. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully that's not the case. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's from a business perspective, it's hard to count Activision Blizzard completely out because like, even though Blizzard, for the most part, like their IP is kind of Taking some I mean, hits. There's silver lighting right now is Diablo 4, and that's yeah. And not we'll a, see. It's not yeah. out yet, so <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's like that's not even a, a sure bet. You know what I mean? You're definitely rolling some dice on that. But yep. at the same time, you got Activision Blizzard, where I mean, I've criticized that all of their, you know, they have that one goal of making Call of Duty happen. But at the same time, that IP, that franchise is making them so much money that yeah, you know, nothing is going to really kill them right well, now. Like, yeah, and even like something like WoW, like I know subscriptions are way down and stuff. It's, it just makes an insane amount of money, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> absurd amounts. Yeah. Outside of expansions, I mean, the effort to dollar ratio is crazy yeah. on successful MMOs. I wanted to bring up one other thing before we move on to Activation Blizzard, and I linked it in our Slack for a while ago. Mm. Uh, this is days. Was it last week? Maybe several days ago. Anyway. <clears throat> there's uh what's her position let me double check real quick it's what's her name lulu chang messervy messervy she's the mm. executive oh, vice president of yeah. corporate affairs at activision blizzard and the coo she put out, <laughs> she put out twitter thread that's one of my favorite things i've seen in a long time she basically basically it says it, she says it straight directly to the ftc it's like hey did you watch the last of us that's a pretty great show and this is an example of how we don't have a monopoly or whatever because they can make money off of a successful show is basically the argument. 
they made a successful show based on an IP. Therefore, everything they're they're wrong about everything, and it's like I mean, hilarious. Yeah, no that that makes sense. That tracks because I mean, think about how little money Microsoft made off the Halo TV show. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you don't compare to... this to Halo. We made fuck off. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> talked about that. <laughs> that would have been ah. Oh. Perfect if they'd done that. that actually, would have been pretty great. She's not at Microsoft right. yet. She's still at Activision Blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she doesn't even have a horse in there. It's not like the last of yeah. like Joel is with Blizzard's, you know, famous character or anything. Oh no, she has a horse in the race. You know that oh, yeah. as an executive VP, she's got some sort of vesting that is gonna be a, a major payoff if they get bought yeah. out. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. She's been putting out her Twitter's kind of wild anyway, the way mm. she's been there's other stuff she this said. This isn't the first time. Crazy. Yeah. yeah, this one was just the funniest to me because she's like, you see that? They made a successful show. It's like, all right. Okay. Plus, it's, I mean, honestly, it's not like all those HBO Max subscriptions is going to make them Call of Duty money. You know what yeah. I mean? It's not like Sony's high, like, this is our payoff. We just got to keep making Last yeah. of Us seasons. That's right. We have an unlimited amount of stories we can tell based on these two games. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got the Uncharted series that they could do. They could make another Ratchet and Clank movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, on the flip side, we could start talking about shit Microsoft could make with their IP. (laughs) Yeah, like Halo TV show. Gears of War. Oh, that would be so good. I mean, Gears of War, they're doing. Imagine they are. Dude, imagine how stupid it'd be if they're like, we're making Skyrim the series, a show. They they own (laughs) Bethesda shit now. They do, but I can't. Dragonborn Chronicles. Like what, get a what better would, like, movie. I don't know. Actually, hold on. What if they made it kind of like an always sunny joke thing? Because I feel like the Dragonborn gets up to some dumb shit. Yeah. Like the ep- like you know they just do like the episode where the Dragonborn eats cheese and it's just cheese wheels <laughs> everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, that that's too good of an idea for them. They wouldn't do that. <laughs> I would watch the fuck out of that show. <laughs> they getting into machinima territory at all, this point. All the like, dumb. That just sounds like all like other scrolls. Yeah, Viva La Dirt. <laughs> I feel like that would be better than a serious, straightforward or, like yeah. drama but, of the Jarls, and this is Game of Thrones, but Skyrim. You know, like Dragonborn's mostly fucking around until he like goes and does a thing that everybody wants him to do. Like, thank Christ, he's not distracted by some bullshit. Yeah, he's saving like, us from this thing. Like, let's be honest, no one talks about Skyrim at this point because of the story of it. You know, I, I, I don't even remember it. There's something about Stormcloaks. Right, it's civil war where both sides are bigots. There's a dragon that I remember the side quests still. more than the main quest. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> anyway, I would just say like they've also got quite the stable IP that they wanted to make something. Right. It's like just then do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's stopping you? I mean, really nothing. And I mean, Sony is also going all in on that because they're also having like God of yeah. War on Amazon. Right? Supposedly, I mean, they, there's it's one of those things where they make these announcements that never come to fruition all the time so who knows yeah but where's my gritty crash bandicoot hbo max series that's what i want next from craig mazin and neil Druckmann. i want crash bandicoot (laughs) well uh, i mean crash bandicoot is potentially going to be owned by Microsoft, so that's going to be oh, that's true yeah that's true you you think of crash bandicoot as a sony franchise but not Um, anymore but definitely not Right. Well, I'm sure Microsoft will handle it well. Uh, in other financial news, Square Enix, among many other companies, have uh, revealed their financial results. We're not going to go through all the companies uh, today, this episode, but Square Enix is a pretty it's interesting. It's all of them. It just assumes all of them. That, yeah, all of them. <laughs> yeah, all, all of them have money to let you know about. Um, so Square Enix has announced uh, decla- de- declining financial results <laughs> in the year. I can't speak. Uh, sales were down 6.6% year on year, and operating income was down 17.6% year on year. Uh, they have also announced that they're working on many new titles, including new IP, which is interesting news right hot off the heels of Forspoken's is reception. I, I mean, just considering... Square Enix puts a lot of shit out. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yeah. Well, actually, last year, didn't they release two? There was... Dio Field Chronicles, which yes. was just out of nowhere and then disappeared. And something yes. else, right? Various Day Life. Yeah, they did There's that. that. One of the yeah. greatest names for a game of all time. Yeah, and it looks like the Octopath Traveler logo. 
Like, yeah. they just didn't even bother. Didn't even like, eh, we're going to use the same font. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense that Square Enix would be looking to, to create more IP. I mean, they've been having a final fantasy for so many fucking years at this point. Are they, are they finally going to move on? The finalist oh, fantasy. <laughs> the, the last story. Uh, I think that they did a lost story. Wasn't the lost story a game that they made for Wii? Is that real? That can't be. Come on. That was a dumb joke. That can't be something a real million billion dollar company lost did. Lost story video game. Oh, it is a Wii video game. It's developed by Mist Walker and AQ Interactive. It looks like a Final Fantasy game, though. Mm. Uh, it yeah, says in our so many games. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just in our story. Also, just the sales of HD games that are non-games as a service games failed to reach the level previous year, despite multiple new games, which includes you know near replicant version, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. You know all the numbers. Super uh, numbers. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, which we loved, but <laughs> did not. They don't sell anymore. Well. Yeah, nope. they don't have it. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And Outriders as well. Oh, speaking the, of. That's not owning, just because that reminded me. How fucking hilarious is it that Embracer bought Tomb Raider and all that for three hundred million or whatever it was, and they just fucking doubled their money on Tomb Raider alone by selling it for six hundred million to Amazon. Yeah, we were talked about. I think at the time I was like, that seems really low for for Tomb Raider. Like it seems pretty more more valuable than that. It turns Did out, we- yeah, it is. <laughs> Did we ever get clarification on whether that was just the the like the media rights or whether that was the whole thing? It seemed like the whole thing. Okay. There were some parts in the story that made me think ambiguously that it might have just been like the TV and movie rights that they were selling. Oh, yeah. Cause like Amazon it, amid that purchase also announced that they're working on a, it's TV a show. Game. Oh, the, yeah. The mm-hmm. show. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they, I think that they were touting connected universe kind of shit. Yeah. Right. Um, this is the first chapter of the DCU. That's right. Adam Gunn is TRU. the Tomb Raider universe. Adam Gunn. Yes. Yes. That's his name. <laughs> this is his brother. Right, right. They had to bring in the brother for this yeah. one. James is busy. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you know. I mean, it, the hard numbers don't make it look good for Square Enix, but I feel like historically they've just been the company that's like, oh, this game doesn't meet sales expectations. Like Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. I remember when that first the the new the reboot. In, yeah, and it's twenty thirteen fourteen. They were like seven million. And they were yeah, like, and they were enough. like this sold six million. Not nope. We spent too much money on the hair physics for Lara. We couldn't make it up. God, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like, part of it is it seems like they don't have, other than what they're doing, other than what Nomura's involved in, in terms of, like, mm-hmm. big enough, they don't really have an overarching, like, vision of anything. Like, obviously, he has an end line of what he sees with the Final Fantasy VII bullshit, whatever's going on there. Yeah. Like, that has an idea of where it's going. But otherwise, they just kind of scattershot published a bunch of shit. Like, I was just looking, since September, they put various day life out, something called Voice of Cards, the Beasts of Burden that I don't know oh. about. No, that's that's by the Neuro Atomic guy. That's uh, Yoko Taro. Oh. oh, okay. There you go. I yeah. don't know anything about it. But Diofield oh, Chronicle, Valkyrie, uh, Valkyrie Elysium, mm-hmm. Triangle Strategy, that Star Ocean game, Harvestella, the Tactics Ogre Reborn, I forgot Romantic the project. Saga. Triangle Fantasy came out. Drag Quest Treasures and then the piece of shit Crisis Core uh, Forspoken. And so that's like a lot of stuff, but like none of it's like, oh, that was good. Yeah. Like great stuff. Anything that that broke through. I don't want to hear about Crisis Core. (laughs) (laughs) If it's Crisis Core, you're shutting you down. (laughs) If it's about that, we're not talking about Crisis Anyway, yeah, no, it's just classic Square Enix. It just seems like I don't know what the fuck you guys are doing at any time. I don't understand how you guys run a company. They just they seem to just totally luck into having some awesome IPs, like a couple, and everything else is like, what are you doing? Square Enix do like the kind of thing that that like you see Daniel Radcliffe and like Elijah Wood doing that like They've got their big thing. They've got their big cash oh, cow. Final Fantasy. I didn't think and then like that. Everything else is just going to be weird little fucking passion projects. Well, hey, passion a, is a well, strong word. I'd say a lot of them are like <laughs> pretty, little projects. <laughs> little projects that are like very uh, like reductive of stuff we've already seen. Like there's not a lot of new happening. 
You know what I mean? Like they don't, they're not like doing weird little experiments that don't work. It's just like, oh, we've seen shit like this a million times now. Was Balan Wonderworld Square Enix Wonderland? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Wonderworld. Mm-hmm. Wonder. I mean, it wasn't wonderful. Your Balan yeah. is a Wonderworld. Thank I you. will not forget the first time I saw like the end of that whatever farmer level and they just start fucking singing and dancing. <laughs> and dance, dance yeah. That might be the best thing in a game in a while. That might be the best yeah. thing Square Enix has made all decade. It might be. It's the insider that. trading dance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes Yuji Naka his money. Um, but Stretch, you did mention the MMO. I think it's worth noting, too, that their MMO segment also declined year over year. But that's also kind of factoring in that the year before is when they released the Endwalker expansions. Yeah. Just any, any year where you release an expansion for a big MMO, you're going to make yeah. more money than the yeah. years around it, probably. Well, I had that like huge blast off that I'm sure like kind of settled down. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they had that time where they're like, we can't sell you the game right now. <laughs> like, we're not selling it because it's just too popular. Stop yeah. playing the game. Stop, please. stop <laughs> buying it. Yeah. So anything that I'm sure that whatever that level was, they, they settled into a new baseline and that, mm-hmm. I saw some decline. But I mean, Final Fantasy 14 is still crazy popular. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think we've gone over like you just listed off a, a rattled off a bunch of new ip under square enix and i'm very curious to see what what more they're investing they're choosing to i mean fund for this i'll always look at whatever squares do them but i'm always like god what the hell <laughs> sometimes i don't know yeah and like, I, 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 they don't have the fucking western stuff to blame it on anymore <laughs> either <laughs> like oh we Shit, can't we rejected our scapegoat yeah, yeah we can't blame it on the fucking tomb raiders and life is strange and whatever else in there mm-hmm. now it's all them yeah yeah i mean i i'm also curious to see how they're going to do next year well when we get the financial results for this fiscal year next mm-hmm. year because oh, this big fiscal, year yeah they're they're releasing both final fantasy 16 and final fantasy 7 too um both are pr- probably going to be pretty big games in terms of sales. If I had to guess. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they'll look at that and they'll say, "Cool, we can we can fund Balan Wonderworld two and three with this." Yeah, that's going to be that insider trading. It's really needs that that to happen. <laughs> They're uh, I don't know. I love you, Square Enix, but I kind of don't understand you a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Like I'm happy that you're doing. Final Fantasy 16 and the 7 remake stuff and Kingdom Hearts 4 someday. Oh, yeah. But, and the well, Final Fantasy 9 remake that you're waiting way please, too long to announce. Please announce this. It's, it's going to be Final Fantasy 9 remake for the the Vive 2. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. That'd be or fun. The, the Ingest 2. Switch only. Switch exclusive. Dude, so I have Steiner <laughs> in my face like this. Yep. I cannot wait to see 4K Steiner. That's all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Close and personal. Yeah, get a look at him. Yeah, It'll be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Uh, our last bit of news here: another Japanese company, Konami, has announced their financial results as well, with a pretty significant profit drop. Profit is down 31.2 percent year on year, um, and the revenue though was up 5.5 percent year on year. But you know, that doesn't. Quite... And then also because. This week has been a whole bunch of armchair financial analysts yes. looking at that and thinking, wow, they're, that company is doing 30% worse. It's like, no, they still made $41 billion. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that last year they made 30% more than that. So it's not like right. any of these companies that are showing year-on-year losses um, are like, you know, they're not on dying. the verge of bankruptcy no. or anything. It's just like, well, fuck. Well, and there's further context for Konami of that. They yeah. they put a bunch of money into making games, so they're they're spending a lot more this year or this over this last fiscal year than they were before. Right, in the hopes so, to make more money in a future yeah. year when they release Silent Hill Five, the, the Silent Hill game, and then the the remake. And then whatever else they're doing in Silent Hill, I can't remember. Yeah, there's like a Silent Hill mobile game or something like that, I think. I remember we I'm went over sure. it. There were like three or four Silent Hill projects yeah. they announced. Yeah, including the Silent Hill 2 remake, which is 
probably the the big horse they're betting on. It, yeah. it seems like it's going for a Resident Evil remake kind of vibe. God, I, they yep. better they better pay attention to what Resident Evil did and do that and not try to do something else. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going to put all of their eggs in this one little Silent Hill basket yeah. and then they're going to pray. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're working on a Metal Gear game. I'm sure that they're working on I'm it. I'm sure um, they are. Something. I think without Kojima. Someone high up, well, someone high up related to Rising Revengeance was yeah. tweeting was tweeting stuff oh. to do with it because they're about to have their like 25 anniversary or 20 anniversary or something. Mm-hmm. I think 10th, um, right? For I was, I was like, oh, that's no way that's 20 years old, right? I was about to be like, no Did we way. just age? No fucking way. Uh, I, I think it's just 10 year anniversary for Revengeance. Yeah, 10 years. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, Jesus. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, they could be working on something with that, too. I don't know. How how terrible does this sound, though? Someone that wants to make a Metal Gear Solid, they're like, I'm going to try to be like Kojima. Mm. Imagine that. Imagine the pressure. Well, not just, I'm not thinking pressure. It's like, it's, (laughs) I'm thinking of someone that's like, I can be artsy, too. I know how to be a creative. (laughs) And, like, I can do weird decisions like Kojima. And it's like, well, Kojima usually has a reason, even if it's fucking weird. Like, he'll explain it to you. It's not just wackiness Mm -hmm. for wackiness's sake. But I just, that's what it feels like. He's just zany and weird. I don't know. I mean, when you look at the first and only Metal Gear game not made with Kojima, I think survive is the one and that one was just soulless more soulless than the weird zombies that they had in the game and i don't have any confidence in a future like a brand new metal gear ip i could totally see them do like metal gear solid remake like you know like final fantasy 7 remake style you know ground up so they don't have to create anything new in terms of like plot or direction it's just take what you have well people would go nuts for that I think yeah. that Kojima had very little to do with Rising. That originally, when it was just Metal Gear Solid Rising, they were working on it. Yeah. But then, when they shifted it to Platinum Games, um, I don't think that he had as much involvement. Which kind of, you know, if if they're going to try to get away with reviving the Metal Gear franchise and interest in Metal Gear, probably going for one of the ones that Kojima touched the least um is a good is a good entry point yeah Yeah. and that game is fun wacky bullshit and you know it was such meme fuel like i I feel like it had a a revengeance in the years past right where it like just suddenly everyone was all about nano machines son right so i just (laughs) i want more of that kind of dumb bullshit yeah that's the yeah it's perfect for that Mm -hmm. you know like you gotta I'm pretty sure he says the cliche, right? You got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. I don't know. And then yeah. the clip making its rounds to where he's like, you got to make America great again. And everybody's like, holy shit, Kojima did it there's, again. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of amazing cringe dialogue in that. There's, it's yeah. a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the best part is how like the final boss is like a big mech, but then you destroy the mech. And so the senator is like, I'll do it myself. Fuck this i'll just fight you myself then it's the like best. it's so stupid it's the best mm-hmm. uh, my favorite line of of the senator just reminded of his name senator armstrong armstrong yeah, he's yeah. like spouting about all this shit and then he's like haha my source is that i made it the fuck up yeah. <laughs> that is one of the yeah. best things i see that one every once in a while it's so good yeah you know one thing i've did uh, for, we forgot to mention is that they are doing those suikoden um remasters oh, yeah. oh, which yeah. i'm excited for because i know i've talked i've heard a lot about suikoden and i just mm-hmm. one of those i haven't ever gotten around to playing have That's you have you ever gotten example. through a jrpg and been tired that you have two party members out of your party that aren't getting leveled up here is 80 yeah yes <laughs> enjoy uh, uh they have a bunch of I, good ip it'd be cool to see them do something much yeah, classic it, classic stuff it, they have Castlevania too. That's still owned yeah. by Konami, and like in the past ten years, the coolest Castlevania thing to come out was a Netflix adaptation. Yeah, which was apparently was really great. Yeah, it was. But it was good. But no game. I mean, I guess in the past ten years was Lord of Shadows. Does that count? The, the weird, know. you know, the spiritual successor game. Yeah, and its sequel. I'm yeah, not sure. I reckon. But yeah, for a safe bet. Suikoden fighting game. 
you've got the you've got the character roster mm-hmm. you can All make it like pixely 2d fighter that would probably hook a whole bunch of nerds in mm-hmm. maybe yeah. yeah but yeah as of now you know it's just the silent hill super bomberman game suikoden Oh, and some vertical scrolling shooting game called Signy All Guns Blazing. Like a shmup? I guess. Uh, and that's that's all slated to come out in 2023. I got a big year. Let's see how yeah. next year's financials are. Let's, see. Yeah, let's get a new Frogger game, man. Let's get Frogger. I'm on board with that. Yeah. And just to clarify, that 2023 window does not include the Silent Hill projects. That's bastards. Who knows when, right? We're I mean, just... when we first saw the the Silent Hill 2 trailer, I don't think they even announced a, a release window for that, right? They were just like, it's happening. Hey, we're doing this someday. Mm-hmm. Here's that, that shot of the guy looking at the mirror again. <laughs> but it looks better. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, look at those pixels. Yeah. 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 But I think that does it for news this week. Uh, let's jump into some games. Rut, you've been playing a early access game called Superfuse. Yep. Um, this is one that I didn't know about until they reached out with like keys and stuff. And so I've been poking at it the last couple of days. It's I don't want to say Diablo like, but it's, you know, top down isometric action RPG. Um it's kind of got a Borderlands flair to it in terms of the like art direction and um, things like that. But it's it's got a unique spin in that you have the I think it's just three classes for now. There's a fourth one to be announced at some point. And you have a skill tree that's kind of like a DNA strand for the most part. And so as you um, pick things within that, you unlock new skills And then each skill, you will find um, what they call fuses in the game that do things like increase your attack speed or, you know, add elemental attacks to it. And you can add them to each individual ability with an overall like DNA pool for the most part. So you can't just like overpower every single one. You have to be a little bit careful about where which abilities you put fuses on. Um, But I played about five, six hours and it's. I mean, for me, most of these like isometric top-down games are pretty mindless. Um, so there's really nothing that like jumps out to me story-wise. But the gameplay is solid, um, and it is it continues to kind of ramp up the challenge. And you have to actually pay attention to how you're building your character, how you're integrating fuses, and and all that kind of stuff. Mm. What's yeah. the setting of the game? Like future. Uh, so basically, like we destroyed the earth, but we used up all the resources. And so all of the rich people um, built ships to, uh, you know, ferry the plebs out to the stars. Mm. Um, And so we started colonizing and then um, basically these rich people figured out how to make themselves immortal gods. And then at some point there was this infection that came into play. And so it's spreading from kind of planet to planet. And then they had to make like, a what they call the enforcers which is like humans with enhanced abilities and you're essentially playing an enforcer trying to clear out one of the colonies at least for how far i am so far um and that's kind of the premise is that you're going through your you know turning the uh, oxygen system back on or or whatever in this remote colony um Mm -hmm. and it's all infection based you've got you know, weird creatures and all that kind of stuff. So it's the last of us in space. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember like I saw a trailer for it and in that they say, we really are the last of us, huh? I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Yeah. And I did play this at PAX. So it was only like a short 15 minute kind of teaser. But one thing that stood out to me was the fuse system because it felt kind of similar to the Path of Exile gem system before it got super complicated and is buckling under its own weight. But it's the idea of, you know, like, you know, you have a skill shot that's just like a forward projectile, but then one of your fuses could be like you double it so it shoots like in a pincer, like a V shape. 
or something like that. Mm -hmm. Or if you summon a wall of fire in front of you, or you can put a fuse on it where it summons a wall in front and behind you that are both smaller than the, you know, one wall, but like, it's that sort of thing where it's like a really versatile use of your skills where it's the same skill, just modified in different ways. That's a little more interesting than just like plus one damage. Yeah. Yeah. And like each of the three classes has three different skill trees you can choose from. And you like, you can upgrade the base part of the skill, which is what kind of unlocks the skills up or increases your overall stats. Or you can kind of break off into other DNA strands and say like increase armor or increase strength. Um, you're basically with each ability given like a, a hex shape of um basically just individual hexes and then each ability uses either like a side-by-side -side hex or like a three and then you kind of have to also not only just select what you want to use but also kind of put them in a puzzle um mm. and it seems like there's a significant amount of leveling i mean i was like level 15 and i hadn't unlocked the third or fourth ability in one of the trees yet so oh, wow. i'm curious what the end game looks like once you're through kind of the base story like is there repeatable dungeons or anything like that but i haven't uh it reset progress at early access launch so i have not gotten quite as far yet yeah and i imagine that's tough through too because like who knows how long they'll be in early access and then you know how many times will end game reset or change right yeah, there's been a lot of that with early access games lately. That is, um, and I don't blame devs, but it is it is frustrating as shit to drop 30 hours into something and then come back to the next update and be like, oops. Well, so yeah. it is yeah. what it is. Thankfully, I was only like five hours in, and so I'm now just like playing in 30 minute stints and mm -hmm. reprogressing. Nice. Well, it's Superfuse out right now on Steam Early Access mm -hmm. for now. Yeah. Uh, Stretch, you've been playing Frosthaven? Yeah. Dabbled into the board game space, as I like to do. Mm. Um, Frosthaven, absolute bear of a game. Sequel to Gloomhaven. Um, this thing comes in a giant 30-pound box. Um 27 punch board cards to pop out all of the different monsters and monster types and everything. It's like if you took if you took everything that you could possibly want in a tough turn-based RPG like dungeon crawler video game and you made cards for everything. <laughs> mm. Um but they're frosty. Yeah. Yeah, so your your takes place in the region of Frosthaven. Um, you know, in terms of how much cold affects things mechanically so far, very little, but it's just a new setting, new places to explore, new new storylines to complete. Um, all of the starting classes are super cool um, mm -hmm. in this game. You know, I played a little bit of Gloomhaven and kind of you had your basic, like your tank, some support, uh, some DPS kind of stuff. But a really cool thing with Frosthaven is that all of the classes have like pretty unique mechanics to them. Um, like there's a there's a like thief rogue character that instead of just having an initiative to go on, they can decide whether they want to move quickly or move slowly, um, mm. and then that can mean that like certain things, like certain abilities, do or do not activate in certain ways. Um, you know, it allows you to pop off at different points, um, you know, as you like open a new door and you've suddenly got, uh, you know, five or six new enemies in front of you and you're already exhausted from beating the shit out of everyone in the past couple of rooms. Um, there's some really good ways to to chain big momentum um, and like take out half of a room or at least do damage to like half of a room. Right. Um, but it's really fun. It gets it gets super grainy, super deep. Um, it it feels like the perfect mix between like uh, the the absolute free form of a TTRPG and a very mechanically based uh, video game. Mm. Are you playing this like with friends, or is this just because you can play these games solo too, right? Or yeah, the the solo mode you just you a single person pilots two characters 
Um, so I have done some of it single player and I have gotten together with people to do some of it um, as a group as well um, to kind of, you know, it's it's difficult to to take a legacy game like this or like a, a long running game like this and get in enough plays to really feel like you've you've got what you need to put together a review. <laughs> right. Because, yeah, this is one of those games where you don't just play it. It's not Monopoly. You don't play it for like an hour and then break down the board yeah. and forget about it. Right. This is like, yeah, every Sunday, it, Sunday is Frosthaven day or whatever yeah. it is. And yeah, like it unpacking the box, all of the components, putting all of the character tokens in the sleeves with their cards, with their name tag, like putting the box in the setup for, you know, before you can even run the first session, that took me about three hours. How is it? Uh, so I played a bunch of Gloomhaven. How is it setting mm -hmm. it up for a session? That was one of the things that it kind of ro rotated out of our thing. We're like, Jesus, this takes so long just to get going mm -hmm. like when we get started. Yeah, it still does take time of like finding the right boards. Setup. Yeah. Um, okay. Like finding the right like hex boards which interlock with each other. Mm -hmm. um, you know, making sure that you have the right monsters and those monster cards and the and the health meters for the monsters in the things. Um, it definitely still does take time, uh, you Ooh. know, with with a decent enough sorting system, it becomes easier. Like yeah. all of the boards have like the little labels in the bottom mm. left, um, yep. like A1, A2, A3. So I tend to stack everything as alphabetically as possible. Right. Um, but it it's still, it takes some time. It's, you know, it's before anyone you know, when people have come over to play it before anyone shows up, I have set everything up. Um, yeah. And I've like taken the taken the 15, 20 minutes beforehand to put it all in place. Yeah, I've heard of people who like they played well, Gloomhaven, because you know, Frosthaven still yeah. fairly new ish, right? But what they would do is like that table is just the Gloomhaven. Like we don't eat there. We don't do anything there. We just leave it set up. <laughs> right, that's fair. And, and then yeah. whenever we want to play it, you know, whatever, we, yeah. we invite everyone over and there it is ready to go. Because yeah, I was the guy showing yeah. up with Gloomhaven to someone's house and then had to set it up. It wasn't oh, they come here. Yeah. And I was always like, fuck me. I always felt rushed when I got there because mm -hmm. I have it. Yeah. Um, it's definitely fun. I'm very interested in because uh, in the uh, classes as you described them, because you were right in the original Gloomhaven, at least the first ones that you give access to classes. They are pretty simple, basic stuff, like yeah. very recognizable archetypes, mm. as you said. Not, yeah, not it's boring like, or anything. It's just like, yeah, okay, it's f very familiar. Every single one of these starting classes has a pretty unique gimmick to them. Um, cool. Like one of one of them is like two characters that you like shift between, and mm. one of them is more range focused. The other one is more melee focused. But to swap between them is is an ability on a card. And they each have two different character decks as well. Oh, wow. Um, so it, like, immediately, you know, you can get stuck in a situation, like, if you get forced to discard a card and you get forced to discard the card that allows that change to take place, yeah. then guess what? You're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's yeah. been super fun. It's definitely been a game I wanted to get into. It's just that, like, just the space, just imagining the space I need, the physical surface to put all yeah. the shit on. That I just, that's a lot. It is <laughs> on top a lot. of just playing it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It is really neat, though. Like, as yeah, it's a big box. And it's in a the, monstrous box. If you're watching it in audio, um, or if you're listening to us in audio right now, stretches underneath a box that's larger than him. That seems to be how, but do you have Gloomhaven also? Is it rough? It seems almost the same size to me. It seems roughly. Uh, it, it is slightly larger. Slightly and larger. It is 10 pounds heavier. Mm. Than the Gloomhaven box. That's so crazy. you couldn't, you couldn't like get a barbell and put Frosthaven on one side and Gloomhaven <laughs> on the other and get swole. No, it'd you, be a little you'd totally be out of balance. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably put the, they've got the extra like Frost, uh, Gloomhaven, like it's a, it's like a prequel box game. Um, you could probably put the prequel box on top of the base Gloomhaven, and then you get like a much better balance with your mm. with your board game oh. barbell. But no, this is this is uh, this is weights. 
<laughs> looks like five ps5 boxes side by side size wise well do you, do you haven't even seen a ps5 yeah you don't have a ps5 box <laughs> you don't even know what you're that talking. box is huge it's in the box it's massive <laughs> yeah but the, the frosty of it is not that much uh, bigger it's not five yeah it's heavier than a ps5 for sure yeah. wait what do you think of the uh the narrative going along with it because i know it's probably got a fat book for that yeah, it's got multiple fat books. They get away yeah. with, um, like in the original one, when it's like set up this scenario and mm. they give you all of the pieces and what should be on each thing. Yeah, You've now got two books and the first book is like, oh, after you open this door, refer to this random page. Oh, in that's this much other better because I kind of, I was always the one set it up so I always knew how things were. Yeah. I like the idea that I wouldn't know if I was playing. Yeah, so this this will work with that. And it's it's a good storyline cool. so far. It like hops you into it really, really quickly with an Algox attack of Frosthaven. And you drive them away and then try to hunt down their base and um just a whole bunch of you know, your your adventurers seeking to do right by this town that has taken you in. Um and there's a shit ton of campaigns and and uh yeah campaigns is what they're called the like the missions are called yeah. campaigns mm. um but yeah it, it fucking takes some time <laughs> yeah, yeah i bet well that's frost haven you can get it at your local board game shop probably i think because there was a time where it was like a little harder to get right like stock issues but now i think it's well frost haven at the moment i think it's only just it's getting only... to kickstarter backers right now oh, yeah. i'm oh, not actually okay. sure what its retail status is yeah, interesting later. probably okay. a while off. you're probably in a gloomhaven yeah. gloomhaven was yeah, like gloomhaven. that where it was hard to get mm -hmm. yeah that's yeah. right and like there is they do have if you're interested in the game there's the gloomhaven jaws of the lion which is like a, a smaller one. It's still got a lot of campaigns. It's still got 25 scenarios in it, mm, but good. it's, you know, it's not the giant hunk of a Humongous box, box yeah. as the main thing. And it will still give you that, you know, here is the Gloomhaven experience. Ooh, that's good to know. Cause I've only mm. ever seen just Gloomhaven. Like I was just in my local comic shop like this week and they only had one copy of gloomhaven left like i mean it took up the entire table because the box is huge but <laughs> yeah. they only had that one left you know yeah, yeah. no yeah if you're, if you're interested in the idea the concept or you're listening and anything that i've said about frosthaven seems interesting to you uh but you don't want to drop like the 200 or whatever dollars to to get the game uh then jaws of the lion is going to be your your great place to start Mm, it's good to know. Um, so I want to talk a little tiny bit about Forspoken. I don't want to like take up a whole bunch of time on it because I don't think any of you three have played much of it, but I just want to like report on I finished it. I've completed the game. Uh, I still stand by what You've we said last week. you all the side stuff, right? No, because I would die you if I did. You fucking liar. Okay. All right. I, I've completed <laughs> the main content, which covers about 10% of the map. Um, so uh, really i've heard that there's a lot to do in that yes game. yeah there is a lot to do <laughs> there is too much open world in this but i, I want to say i stand by what we said last week where the the writing isn't oscar worthy but it's also not as bad as people have been kind of memeing on uh online it's not like so bad that it's like the worst thing ever um i think the moment to moment character writing is still pretty strong past that first hour in the beginning um i still stand yeah, by pretty, that i think i like frey i think yeah, she's frey, right frey is fun frey has like a really strong head on her shoulder and like her interactions with cuff are really fun um where i do think this game does fail is i do think it has bad uh like macro narrative writing in terms of like your your belief in you know the classic hero's journey like you know rising action climax etc uh the climax is pretty rough in this game it's oh, i can't wait it is. I, I don't want to spoil it, but it's definitely like a, um, like a unbelievable, like like hard to believe in the characters and their motivations in those uh, moments. Okay, because I was to say they do some wild shit. It'd be hard to get unbelievable with this. I because they could do whatever they want. It's not unbelievable in the way I would use that word to describe Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. it's unbelievable. How in, dare uh, you? Like, 
<laughs> I, I, when I, I say unbelievable with Kingdom Hearts, I mean it, it's cool. Friendship they, and love carries us through everything. And Kingdom magic. Hearts is based on a true story. Yeah, so. it's true. It's I've met far, far away in a galaxy or something. <laughs> uh, but Forspoken is more, you know, they present you with the 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 act three right and then you're like i don't believe these characters would do what they're doing this makes i'm kind of not Good. following oh, that um, sucks. And, and then the worst part is because it's an open world video game it has to end with the status quo they established in like you know act one and two so mm. it's even harder to believe that everything kind of goes back to normal because they don't even do the like we're going to return you back to the point of no return there uh. there is like we have finished the story and the story finishes in a way where we're just gonna kind of just just get back to what it was before. Just imagine like all of the adventures at the end going, well, <laughs> off to <laughs> off to do the same thing I was doing before. Yeah, off to read that uh, lore codex in that faraway tower. I gotta read. Yeah, so that, that's that's kind of where I'm standing with Forspoken. It's you know probably like good seven eight out of ten well eight is where where our review is i would probably personally put it maybe around seven or at highest um descent yeah that's that's forespoken well, no like what i hate playing well i've also been playing hi-fi rush now that game that's a fucking 10 out of 10 man that's a <laughs> <laughs> that's a fucking video game man hi-fi rush is so good um it's a gamey ass video game <laughs> Well, it's it's like the perfect video game for me right now because I love DMC, I love rhythm games, and this is just what if they had a baby, and like I said last week, directed by Edgar Wright, because this game is just unabashed in its humor. Um, like every time there's an obvious joke, it kind of just it makes it, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like pandering or like bad. Like there's there's a scene where you meet the all the main bad guys, you know. And they're all Zoom calling you. And one of them is very frenetic and crazy and wild, but he's on mute. And that's the joke. <laughs> but he's on mute. And everyone else is like, hey, you're on mute. It's just such a like, if you've been a white collar worker in America the past like two, three years, it's just, it hits so close to, to home, you know, just so fun. Yep, and that character is also. Friday. Yeah. And that character is also a JoJo reference. Like, God, he's the most JoJo reference. It's like beating you over a head with Haman saying, yo, this is a fucking JoJo reference. Yes. Yeah. He even has the like the the menacing, like the go go go, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the like all over. <laughs> the onomatopoeia. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's just it's very good. I'm still getting surprised. Like I'm continue I'm continue to be surprised at how much the game keeps expanding its mechanics. Cause like it's still you know, like you're you're getting new tools in your arsenal. It's not even like new weapons or anything. It's, it's still that same, you know, f guitar thing. But you're getting all of these combos and you're getting all of these summons you can call in. Because early on you get Peppermint where you can teleport her in to like do some damage and she's on a cooldown. But at this point now I have three of those characters that you can just cycle between all like mid fight. So you're chaining all of these different things. You're taking like you know when you do the beat combo at the end where it's like you know at the end of a combo you have to like hit the button at the right time to do big damage now you can summon your people to do that so not only are you doing big damage but you're calling in to do a team attack that does much bigger damage but then weaving oh, yeah. that between everything it's so satisfying in a way that i just i'm loving and I think the beauty of the fact that it's beat based is that it's pretty easy to get lost in these sorts of games like DMC, right? Like when you're playing on that really hard difficulty where they like they spam you with a number of enemies and it's just like explosions all over the screen and just visually hard to find stuff. This game can get some of that, but I think because you know all you need to do is listen to the beat, you don't feel lost despite looking like you are. You know what I mean? Yeah, and especially with like the with the grapple that will like get you like right into people's faces and stuff. You know, you could probably get into a combat scenario, just shut your eyes, um, and between like just listening to the beat, hearing like the explosions going on, grappling in close so that you're not just swinging wildly at the air, like you could probably play the entirety of the game like that. It's just yeah. it's a good it's a good game to just like melt into. Mm -hmm. like when you're really feeling that flow you could close your eyes and play mm -hmm. the game like at least the combat arena parts of it you don't really even need to look at it 
at that yeah i reckon point. that's a great point yeah which is kind of crazy to think about that you could do that in an action game like this um you cannot do that in metal hell singer do not recommend it <laughs> no well uh yeah no you probably couldn't you can I mean, you can yeah, hit the beat you necessarily hit anything. <laughs> you'd just be shooting a wall yeah <laughs> but you're shooting it on beats you're doing a lot of damage to that wall and that's important it's kind of cool to see the 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 rhythm game get a bit of a renaissance going from like just being like you know have a, a ddr pad to getting stuff like um crypt of the necro dancer and and cadence of hyrule the multiple music or like rhythm based fps we've had and now an action platformer that's um, a pretty big genre on vr as well now mm, um, yeah in saber. terms of beat saber there's uh I can't remember what the name of the game is. I guess I would Ragnarok, still rock. Uh, where oh, you're yeah. like a Viking on a ship uh, hitting right. drums to the like That's falling cool. runes. Oh, it's, right. it's pretty dope. Like it, it, And it's also a workout. It gets absolutely batshit crazy. Mm. And the custom songs for that game, absolute fucking bangers. They slap. Um, they slap. Um, and then there's stuff, there's like synth riders and some other stuff, but like the rhythm mm. genre is definitely having like a, a pretty moment. killer renaissance right now yeah 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 and i think right now hi-fi rush is kind of leading that to me and in, in my head and i think i don't know i i have been trying to weigh how much of the uh because generally i'm seeing a lot of praise for this game like a lot of it lot. and i'm wondering how much of it is because it's a pleasant surprise and how much of this would like i guess how much less uh like happiness and surprise we would see if it wasn't a sudden release you know what i mean like if this went through the classic like it's announced wait six months you know you have six months to think about it i'm curious if people would be as delighted by what it is yeah. i think if you think about it the surprise launch was probably the best thing they could have done nobody mm, saw it sure. coming and then people started getting in with the combo of xbox games pass and it it just took off from there. Yeah, um, nobody had it, any expectations. Yeah, and I think that, like, because there's been a lot of talk about that since it came out. Like, oh, is this a, a good avenue for other games? It's like, maybe. Like, why this worked out so well is because it's trying to be a really good-ass fucking game. And, like, yeah. you're, it's kind of a bit of a gamble. And, like, there was that story that it kind of went viral within the, the offices, and everybody's like, holy shit, this is great. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you feel like you need something like that. And like you're talking about the humor, I think that's one of the things where First Spoken got fucked. Is yes. that like what I was talking about last time is humor is one of those things that is clever and people think that I'm smarter than you if your joke is dumb and I understand why it's dumb and I don't like it. So mm -hmm. if they had a trailer that had some humor that didn't land with some people, like, oh my God, it's going to be one of those stupid games or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like it's a risk of that kind of thing. I wonder if that would have happened with it. Not that it has, you know, writing on the level of First Spoken or whatever, but right. jokes are, humor itself is really hard to, to evaluate it's been interesting seeing the contrast between it and forespoken with the discourse all being in the same week in terms of like the humor yeah. here is really bad and then you go over to hi-fi and it's not significantly different in terms of the type of humor yeah i think the type of humor i i think hi-fi rush is a little more lighthearted. i would generally classify forespoken humor as more snarky yeah, which definitely is definitely a starkey. Yeah, because Hi-Fi Rush is more, you know, I think it was in the, the trailer or the reveal, you know, where the bad guys find Chai and then he's like, oh, did you did you guys see who did this? Like he's trying to, you know, pretend that it's not him. Yeah. And that's very like, you know, kind of whimsy. Like, silly. Yeah, that's, what I mean. yeah. that's why I, just to compare it to for spoken, it's snarkiness is like a it's cleverness. I got one over on you kind of a feeling mm -hmm. and people like yeah. to expose when that doesn't work. So they feel superior for some reason. Right. Where in something like hi-fi rush, like, yeah, it's just, it's just a dumb joke. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's pretty consistent too. And in, in the dumb joke, but they're, they're right. the dumb jokes. yeah, they're the dumb jokes that are like, uh, almost like dad jokes. You know, everyone hates dad jokes, but also everybody <laughs> loves dad jokes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that sort of thing. You can't hate dad jokes. Exactly. Everyone can groan at it. But everyone mm. loves a good dad joke. Deep like, down, you love it. Yeah, because like Chai makes a lot of puns and there's a character who fucking hates puns. But now the joke then becomes how much they groan and grumble about it as opposed to the pun itself being the punchline, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, that's just a lot of fun to see. Um, 
I think kind of like that video that's been going around of uh, Ellie and the Last of Us telling jokes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that, where it's just it's like it's like a five minute video of just every single joke she tells. Yeah, and yeah, and you're just like, oh, but also it's kind of funny. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or there's another uh, thing that they just stick to their guns on this, where like there's kind of recurring not even side characters, like minor characters, like the robots, they're all kind of similar. Like all the all the janitor bots have the same like voice actor and kind of similar personalities. And it's like, you see those throughout the game. So whenever you talk to them, they just have like one or two lines, but they're like almost always kind of silly and fun. And then there's one character who is a, a jaded detective who's like the ultimate, just like capitalism is ruining the world. Look at this, this is a cry for help from the workers. This is- you know, all that sort of stuff. And he's in every level I've seen so far. And he's just like, every time you find him, it's like this, this, you know, 10, 12 message tirade about how, how the society is fucked up and this corporation's ruining everything. And I'm just I have a jaded noir detective. Yeah. Yeah, He's just like, I'm part of the machine that's causing this. Even I can't change anything. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) Like, it's just so dumb. He's not even relevant. At least I'm Unless, you know, maybe the last level he like comes up and he's like, I'm here to solve everything. I don't know. But <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's a trophy together to him. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, so not it's a trophy just... achievement. Oh, is there a trophy achievement for him? Yeah, yeah. Tro- yeah. To, to interact with him in all the levels. Oh, so I think that's it. Like his whole purpose is just talk with him in every level and you get a you get an achievement at the end. <laughs> okay. Classic. I'll take it. Um, and the overall story so far, I mean, I haven't finished it. I wouldn't say anything is surprising. Like, there's a plot twist that I just saw that I think most people would kind of see coming for the most part. Um, and I wouldn't, I mean, so far it's, it's more competently put together than Forspoken if we're doing a direct comparison of just like how, you know, how much you believe and can follow the narrative in a way that like I believe these characters are reacting the way they would based on the world and events around them. Mm-hmm. So. I'm so excited to finish it. I've heard really great things about the final boss fight, and specifically in how the music plays a role in the fight. So, I stuff. Yeah, back to it. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, it's a lot of people are calling it an early game of the year contender, which is pretty bold for it being you know end of Jan, beginning of Feb. But yep, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, well, we remembered in our end of year quiz. I'm, yes. <laughs> yeah. Just set a set a Google reminder for December thirtieth. Remember High Fi Rush. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like one of those that understood what it wanted to be and nailed it. Yes. Because I think of some games like what um, holds them back is that they had a vision, but it wasn't. They didn't stick to it enough, or it wasn't clear enough to them to how to get to that. And everything about this seems to fuel that, like, silly, like, just play the game. Even just the art style is kind yeah. of feeds into that to me. Mm-hmm. That, like, uh, it's, not, it's not trying to be something bigger than it is. It knows but, what it wants to be, and it is just nailing it at yeah. every level. I hope that we see more games of this size also, because it's not a super long game from my understanding either. Mm-hmm. I've heard people like finish hours. it in, like, 10 to 12. I saw yeah. 12 yeah, hours somewhere around there. I think that's yeah. good, and it's a, like if you don't play it on Game Pass, it's like a forty dollar game, right? I think. Yeah, uh, I thought it was thirty. Maybe it's thirty. So it's something I mean, in that that price range. I think that's great doing stuff like that. I'd love to have those little more mid level kind of things come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Game Pass is the perfect place place for those. It really is because you know, like we yeah. always say, low barrier of entry. Like for me, I. I was very intrigued by Hi-Fi Rush by the trailers I saw, because again, it's, it's that mix of DMC and rhythm game. I love that idea. But it was the Game Pass thing that was just like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Because this was brainer, a mid. Yeah, because yeah, this was a mid, like a bunch of other games coming out. Like I was going through Fire Emblem, and I was going through Forspoken and Dead Space. And I was like, I do not have the capacity to play another video game. But the fact that I can just play it for free, asterisk, I was like, you know, fuck it. I'll just boot it up, see what's up, see what it is. We just need to put a link to like an affiliate link to Games Pass that just sits on the YouTube I mean, video the entire time. I've been saying that for years, guys. Let's do come it. on. Let's do it. Until there's a, a competitor, it's like we've said many times, there's literally nothing that's better value for your money in games. How how dare you slander PlayStation Plus Premium? Premium. I already, I already know the names of premium. them all. Is Premium even one of them? I think so. Like multiple yeah. tiers. Premium is the know. highest tier. 
I think premium's the special one, yeah. Guys, there was a question really on this a getting month ago. <laughs> I know. And no, remember, he's I got the only right. one that got it, yeah. <laughs> Us were like, we don't fucking know. I still don't know. Plus and extra and premium. They're like Game getting rid of games now. Perfect vector for game discovery, hands down. Yeah. I think it just, it removes that, like you said, like uh, barrier to entry in terms of I'm paying for this every month. Why don't I try out this small indie game or this this game that just popped on? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's introducing people to a lot of games. Whoever does the curating to get games on there, like games that aren't published by Microsoft, they're pretty good at what they do. Most mm-hmm. of them are pretty good, like the yeah. indie games and stuff they put on there. Uh, and they're pretty good at finding stuff I haven't heard of sometimes, too. I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't even know about that existing sometimes. I, I love playing a game, like, early on and being like, more people need to play this and then see it pop on Game Pass, and I'm like, hell yeah. I'll play it. Yeah, they do good yeah. work. Anyway, this is network. Now we're in the, the Game Pass yeah. section of the pod. This is the Game Pass <laughs> section of the pod. I mean, like, there, there's... Uh, when I played <laughs> the demo... Like, I played the demo for a long. Still. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I played the demo for well long, and when I finished that, I was like, "Eh, it's fine. I don't think I'll play it." But now it's coming to Game Pass. I'm like, eh, "I'll give it. I'll give it. I'll give it another it's chance." It's good enough that it's if it's free, I guess. I'll yeah, play. If, if I don't have to pay sixty, I guess I'll try yeah. it again. Uh, so I don't know. Game Pass is great. Hi-Fi Rush is fantastic. Highly recommend. Like it just gets better and better and better the more you play it. Go play games. Go play some video games. Uh, Get and that... the ones out of the way you want now because there's a fucking ton coming out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like next week is pretty big with that Hogwarts game. Whether you're going to miss it or not, it's going to dominate it's all gonna of the It's going to be the biggest discourse. thing, yeah. Yeah, everyone's going to talk about it and hate it or love it or everything. February's going to hurt. Yeah, it's, it's the third week of Feb, right? That's like uh, too many games. Yeah, I mean, like, there are so many coming out. Like, February 20th is Atomic Heart, 22nd is Horizon Call of the Mountain, 23rd is Ishin and Sons of the Forest, 24th is Adelaide Ryza 3, and then there's, like, uh, three others Ryza, that just got release dates at the end. I thought Ryza 3 got delayed. Did it? I think. Maybe. But I need to update One my Trello. Game. Maybe. One less game, Yeah. Uh, but no, Ishin's the big one for me this month. I think that's the one I'm most excited for. It's going to be so stupid. Just give me more like a dragon game. That's all I want. Yes. Yes. Any Anytime like one comes out, like, yes, that's all yep. good. Good things are going well in the world if more of them are coming out. Yeah. It's like, how can you hate this? How can you look at yeah. that and be like, I hate this video game? You can't. You, you are a sad person if you hate them. You just yeah. have no joy in your heart. Exactly. You're heartless. So Kingdom Hearts. Right. Yeah. What about Kingdom Hearts exactly? <laughs> Rob, wrap it up. <laughs> Run. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Tech Rapper Podcast featuring Kingdom Hearts. We hope you enjoyed. And if you did, please. Sponsored by Game us. Pass. Exactly. Sponsored really, by Game Pass featuring Kingdom Hearts plus Knuckles. Uh, please leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, that would really help us out. Or if you were on YouTube, let us know in the comments down below. Are you enjoying Hi-Fi Rush? Is that a surprise hit for you as well? Or are you missing the beat? Let us know in the comments down below. Uh, and share it with a friend if you haven't already. We would really appreciate that. Um, you can check out more news, features, and reviews, etc. at techraptor.net, where we publish those every day of the week. But if you want more of this show, we will be back in your feed next Monday, and we will see you then.